Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. Whoa. Welcome to the Not a Fakers That Boy Malcolm Show. This is your host, That Boy Malcolm, coming from you, coming to you in Austin, Texas. Um, a lot of things on my mind. This is my first official show on Podbean. Uh, I like the website. It's a good podcasting website, and uh, this is the decision I made. I've, it's pretty much permanent now. That I'm doing the pod beam thing and it's gonna enjoy this. This is gonna be for the ride and we're gonna see how this thing go. I'm try to um the plan is now do more podcasts, uh at least put one out every two weeks, maybe one out every week. Hopefully it's one every week. Um because I wanna just uh get as much of this in as possible. Uh try to like I say, try to improve on this thing, see what I can do. Uh, so, you know, it's trial run. So those who listen to me now, you know, you can say you was with me way back when. So if I get somewhere with this, you you will be, you know, the people I point at and congrat uh, and thanks if I'm uh, if I get to a certain point. But um, yeah. Um, a lot of things, not that much on my mind. Uh, this is kind of a, this is going to be a sports po- uh, podcast, pretty much. Uh, we're going to stick to the basics this week. Um, as everyone know, I am a Houston Rockets fan. I'm pretty much a fan of uh, Houston sports team: Rockets, Astros, Texans, and. Lately, what's been in the news is uh, some comments by uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, last uh, Tuesday on Inside the NBA on TNT about analytics and it comes off to me as uh, Barkley's a guy that pretty much don't understand analytics and he decides to crush something he doesn't understand in which which, which is funny to me because you know it's pretty much something that if you really think about it, analytics, is basically advanced scouting. That's all it basically is. It is a system they use to go more in depth of what they used to normally do. And if you really think about it, what they used to do, the things that Barkley says and other former players says that needs to be done is also part of analytics. It's part of the advanced scouting. It's part of finding out how how guys play under certain situations and th- that's part of analytics um uh who who this idea though that he 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 made this comment saying that in analytics it, I mean analytics uh find, signing uh trading for James James Harden is not analytics and if you really knew what analytics was actually trading trading for James Harden and signing Dwight Howard is exactly and uh, signing uh, Trevor Reza and is exactly what analytic analytics does. It it projects what a player would do for your team 
under a certain situ- under a different search situation. Um, pretty much analytics is what what made made the Rockets think James Harden was a viable candidate to bring in. Analytics is also what uh, teams do because if you really think about it, every team in the NBA does analytics and. The team that's most prominent with it is the San Antonio Spurs has the most success. They won five championships off of analytics. But Barkley say, oh, you get a guy like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. That's not analytics. Yes, it is analytics. Analytics would have told you Tim Duncan was was the guy in that draft. Uh, I want to say 98 NBA draft or it was 97. I have to. I, I'm, I'm not pretty sure right now, but I think it was 98 draft. Analytics would have told you that Tim Duncan was the guy to draft in that draft because he he makes good decision with he made good decisions with with the ball in college. He he uh great in the post. Um, defensively, he makes stops. Uh, he gets rebounds in group. In, in situations where there's a group of guys, he's the one to come down with the rebound. He's the guy who can hit certain shots under certain duress. He's the guy who can uh, who can uh, who can who can beat the double team. How he beats the, how he plays under the double team. That's what analytics. That's part of analytics. But a guy like Barkley would know that. And honestly, I think it's less to do with analytics. What his issue is is uh. He has issues, we'll go farther into that later on during the show, but he has issues with the Rockets team in general. As a Rockets fan, Rockets fans, and the reason why Daryl Morey made his comment on Twitter uh, about uh, Charles Barkley and said he was uninformed is not something because he's just recently seen something about the Rockets. This goes back to years and years of Rocket fans noticing that Barkley always took shots at the team. Never really... I can only think of one situation in which Barkley ever gave the Rockets a serious pat on the back. And that was doing uh, the series when the Rockets played against uh, Dallas years ago. And he basically said that uh, after the Rockets took the, a 2-0 lead, he said the Rockets, if they continue to play like this, they will be they're a serious threat to win the title. But that is the only time, he, and pretty much soon in that series, he, he turned back into normal Barkley, which in a way you can say at that time he was being credible. But the problem is, is the continuation of his comments against uh, this franchise. He, he's still, like I said, you can go back then, the, the, the comment about Yao Ming won't score 10 points in a, uh, 20 points in a week. Uh, like now, he, he's saying the Rockets can't win, the Rockets uh, uh, are no legitimate threat for the title. Even, even though certain teams he says are a legitimate, legitimate threat for the titles, you can question that thought process because it's, it's basically it's inaccurate how he comes to the conclusion of who's 
who's a threat and who's not a threat, who's a contender, who's not, who's a pretender. It's it, it's pretty much a very inconsistent way he's doing it. And that, that is the issue that a lot of Rockets fans have with him. And he has a history with this. He has a history of taking shots at a team of people who are a Miami Heat fan. If you go back and go go back and remember the first year that uh, the big three formed together, uh, if you remember doing that playoffs, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals that year, there was a fan in Miami who threw a shirt at Barkley. Um, he, he pretty much got a little heated at that. And that was because pent up frustrations at Barkley taking shots at that team at that time. Uh, fan, I don't think people remember, but because that was also the year of the lockout, and he, he Barkley basically. In his words, he was basically claiming that the reason that the NBA lockout happened at that time was basically because NBA owners don't want to allow teams to have big three superstars get together, which is ludicrous because NBA, the, the truth of the fact of the matter is, is uh, because the NBA is a shared revenue, revenue sport, they don't have as much issue with super teams, the whole idea, especially because at that time, there were were two super teams at that time. That was the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. People don't remember, but those were two super teams uh, uh, going into that season, and there's the real reason why that big three formed. But back to Barkley on analytics, I think he's, he's misinformed and you know what? I'm just going to play the comments by Charles Barkley. Daryl Morey, the Rockets GM, tweeting that the best part of being at a TNT game live is it's easy to avoid Charles spewing misinformed, biased vitriol disguised as entertainment. <laughs> I, I have a feeling Daryl wasn't very kind of you describing Houston as a bad defensive team. In fact, you said worst in the league defensive team. <laughs> the team that's going to make the playoffs. They're awful defensively. But they're... But they're if you look at the metrics on the thing, they're like number five in the league defensively. They're not. They're, just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team defensively. They're not a good defensive team. They gave up 118 points. No good team gives up 118 points. I'm not worried about Dale Moore. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. He went out and got James Harden and got Dwight Howard. They're going to tell me that's analytics. Then he went out and got Trevor Ariza. But uh, then he went out and got Josh Smith. So, first of all, I've always believed analytics was crap. And, I'm, and I, you know I never mentioned the Rockets as a legitimate contender because they're not. Uh, and listen, I, I wouldn't know Darryl Moore if he walked in this room right now. <laughs> so tell us how you feel about Darryl Moore's comments. Now, the, another thing that bugged me about what Barkley said, he has the nerve to say that um, no, team, I'm, uh, no team gives up 118 points in a game and our serious contender. I'm, 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 maybe I'm rounding down. Maybe three points is a lot, a big difference. But I'm, I'm going to say 115 points. If Say, for instance, Barkley was correct. 115 points a game. No team gives up 115 points a game. And they're not a serious contender. So that would mean the San Antonio Spurs last year, who gave up 115 points three times, wasn't a serious contender. The Miami Heat, two... 
2013 gave up uh, three points. I mean, 115 points three times. wasn't a serious contender. The year before the Heat, giving up 115 points one time. Not a serious contender. We can go back. If you go back to 2008-2009, the Lakers gave up 115 points eight times in that season. If you go back the last 10 years, the only team that did not give up 115 points in a game the whole complete season is the uh, 2006-2007 Spurs. Besides that, every team gave up 115 points on um, and only two of them are not under multiple situ- uh, occasions. Now, another thing about that 115 points comment. The teams that Barkley loves this year, the Grizzlies, Mavs, Spurs, uh, Trailblazers, Clippers, Bulls, Cavs, and Hawks, the teams he takes serious, only, only, um, only three of those teams, uh, two, not, uh, take that back. Only two of those teams have given up 115 points less than the Houston Rockets. And that's the Spurs and the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies did it two times and the Spurs did it three times. His beloved uh, Dallas Mavericks have given up 115 points on seven different occasions. So apparently, according to Charles Barkley, none of the teams in the playoff race, none of the teams he likes, are serious contenders because they gave up 115 points. Now, that's utterly, that sounds like hypocrisy. And like I say, uh, it's obviously he has an issue with the Rockets. And he's even admitted it on air. And it goes back to this, this comment on air of what Charles Barkley literally, he literally said this on air. About the Rockets. Treating and disappointing to me that Dwight Howard been in the league this long. And the thing, thing we've been saying for the last, he don't even know how to post up. I agree with that point. Like, he's working with the best player I ever played against in my life, Kevin McHale. He got a Kim one down there. And before the game, they're working on teaching him how to post up. He should have learned that five years ago. I, I mean, it's disappointing to me that he, after this many years in the league, he's still learning to post up. And he's like I said, he's still limited offensively. He's gonna get some back buckets on dunks and layups, but he's never at this stage of his career, him not to know how to post up. I mean, it's ridiculous, already. This guy been in the league a long time. And this is the shoot around video the guy showed uh, at the game site from uh, this morning. And like I said, you got the best player I ever played against, Kevin McHale. This guy was a monster on the either box, and they're teaching. That's Carol Dawson, who still owe me three million dollars to rock the team. They did. It was a general manager. He was a general I know. He went for the old okie doke. We'll give you $3 million tomorrow. Yeah, and I took, <laughs> the thing is, I took, they screwed me out of $3 million to, so they could sign Scottie Pippen. I didn't know Scottie was coming without Michael Jordan. They just okie doke me. Okay, Chuck. Okay. Okay. Hold it. We need to get the, we need to no. get the. And, and this is, I, honestly, this is what I think the issue goes back to, is the fact that Barkley feels the Rockets did, uh, screwed him out of money. And... Um, and he's he 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 has he's took it, taken it personal ever since that point that time and period. I, I as a fan, I I literally think Rockets fans need to start a Kickstarter or something like that to raise him three million dollars so he can stop pressing that the comments he's saying. Now, I do believe um, 
it is also the ideal of analytics. It's an older player thing. Um, I think players who played back in the days they don't they don't understand how basically they they don't understand the simple fact that analytics is basically an ideal of uh, advanced scouting. That's really all it is. Like I said earlier, it's only advanced scouting. Everything else that people are saying about it is just is 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 pretty much they're more un- uninformed than than what they what they realize. Um, um, another person made a comment. Uh, this is from the proper gen- gentleman of Sports Seven Ninety uh, on a Houston radio station. Kevin Murphy he had his comments on Barkley and the idea of analytics also. What do you think about them in the game of basketball, and what do you think about what Charles Barkley had to say last night? Well, Charles Barkley is Charles Barkley. Charles is going to say what he wants to say. Uh, I disagree with him. You know, I watched him last. I watched him last night. I heard his comments about the Rockets being the worst uh, defensive team in the game, and you know, Charles is. Charles needs to, whatever he's smoking, needs to leave it alone because that's not true. <laughs> I think he he says it because he believes it. That's what I think about Charles. Uh, analytics, I you know, I'm old school. Yes, I am. Uh, my, a lot of my teaching comes from people like Red Orbeck, who didn't believe in stat sheets because he says that there's things that can't be done. Uh, the things that are done in the game can't be put on paper. Uh, you can, you can, as a team, shoot forty-two percent and still win. You know, it, it, everything is dependent on how the ball bounces. Uh, it, it depends on what player comes up lucky that particular night. Uh, those kind of things. Now, so uh, the analytics, you know, that that I first heard about, of course, was in baseball. Then it was brought into basketball. I know very little about it. I don't. I, I don't really think about it because I don't know very much about it. I just know uh, whoever plays the hardest and has the best game wins the game. So that's that. That's my take on an- analytics. Uh, I, you know, I personally like Daryl Morey and the way he put this team together. Now, how he put it together. That that's his thing, but when you go out and get a a Josh Smith who people said was completely gone, and he comes back to life, when you go out and get a James Harden who people said was one dimensional, and he made he, he's he's about to become MVP if you know he he should, but he won't because obviously Golden State has the best record. And when you go out and, and you bring a Dwight Howard, when healthy, comes back to life and be, you know, one of the best centers in the game, uh, that's, not, that's not really analytics. That's about knowing talent. But, see, that's, that's part of it. It's understanding, Calvin, to me. The reason that you go get a guy like it, – it's not an accident when you start bringing in guys like – and you notice that when guys come here, they hit higher than they were playing before. Kyle Lowry was kind of stuck on a bench. He came here, became something. Goran Dragic, uh, you have obviously right now Brewer. He was sitting languishing on the bench. And the Rockets take their information and say, you know what? And this is what you do every time on the court, Calvin. You do it when you play. You say, my man can shoot from this spot, but I'm not giving him the ball. When you know, I'm I'm going to make sure that the chicken man gets the ball in the corner, but I'm going to make sure that the chicken man is not trying to take people off the dribble. You know what I mean? Like, you know, guys' game, and all st- all, all these analytics are is just trying to say, okay, well, Brewer can shoot it really well here, but he doesn't shoot it well here. Let's just try to make sure that Corey Brewer doesn't get his shots here, and let's put him in spots where he's going to hit. 
Well, like I said, here again, I, I'm old school, and, and 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 a lot of winning back during my old school days was watching the way your opponent played. Now, if this is analytics, well, analytics works. Yeah, because because you know our coach would have us watch uh, the film before the game to you know to to kind of individually look at what your guy does well, and of course you try to keep them from doing it. And then as a team, uh, you know, it's help the helper. So you know, it, you know when analytics uh, came onto the scene, I really never gave it too much thought because I just think it's semantics. It's just another name for understanding basketball. That is Calvin Murphy being interviewed by Lancer Line and uh, Adam Clanton on a proper gentleman's sports on Sub 90 in Houston. Um, that was pretty much that, that they, they basically mentioning the Calvin Murphy and making him understand what the basis of analytics is, like I said, advanced scouting is knowing what guys perform best and what guys don't perform best. is It's a system of uh, just putting your putting yourself in a situation to get guys who can fit in better with your team. And I think Del Moore is doing a good job of doing that. Um, he he he's also a guy that as willing to admit you need you need the big guy you need the uh superstars yeah you need the talent if you have certain type of talent if you have certain talent you need less to be analytical of, over as long as the talent mesh together that's the reason why he went after Chris Bosh during this offseason he he figured that Chris Bosh would be a good fit for the Rockets and if he would have been able to bring in Chris Bosh he would have also retained Chandler Parsons, which, ironically, another guy who analytics pretty much discovered in the second round. If you re- here's the thing, uh, he Dalmore has been profound as a general manager in the NBA of finding guys either late first round or early second round, or he he will buy. He's willing to buy draft picks. Uh, from some certain teams or make trades for certain draft picks of certain teams of guys that he figured would fit in perfectly with the team uh, he has uh, on on roster. That's the reason why Chandler Parson was a fine in the second round. <clears throat> That's the reason why uh, uh, if you go years back, uh, you have uh, Landry. Landry was a, a second round guy that he brought in. It's also the reason why uh, when they when uh when he do make draft picks in the second round, um that are not playing in in America, he, he that are playing overseas, he, he he looks to see will these guys be able to improve in a in a way that he, you can bring them over. Um, analytics pretty much works if you. Don't limit yourself by, you know, you you doing what the uh, old Oakland A's did of just saying, okay, we're going to just not spend money. You do have to spend money to get talent. But analytics allows yourself to to know that the talent that you have can cover as much of your weaknesses. I mean, are limited at weaknesses. If you the less weaknesses you have, the less analytically analytics you need to surround talent or you know you can be very analytical and you can bring you can use these stats and these numbers and these uh 
this uh this system to bring in guys that just mesh as well. Um, if you go back to the Lakers team, that's the reason why Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Glenn Rice, uh, guys like that match so perfectly in that city. I mean, at, uh, on that team because because they were good wing defenders and good shooters. Well, Rick Fox and Derek Fisher in particular match perfectly with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, even though I think they were with the team already, but they just meshed perfectly with, with what they had on that franchise. If you go, uh, it's a reason why when the Heat got together, they wanted Mike Miller. They brought in uh, uh, Ray Allen. They, uh, the reason why Udonis Haslam was a must to keep with that team is because Certain things that doesn't show up on a stat sheet, they did well. Um, that's pretty much all I'm gonna say about the subject on analytics. Uh, I will say, going back to the comment about Charles Barkley, two teams that he doesn't like: the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, uh, four times uh, the Rockets given up 115 points. Uh, the Golden State Warriors three times. Oh, another comment. Uh, going back to the comments on Charles Barkley, he said that the Rockets, uh, the Rockets are the worst team in the playoffs defensively. The Rockets give up a total of uh, ninety nine point six points a game, but I guess stats don't matter. But how the heck do you judge who's the worst defensively by looking at the numbers? Golden State gives up 99.9 points a game. Clippers give up 100.8 points a game. The Toronto Raptors give up 100.9 points a game. The Mavericks, his, like I say, his beloved Mar- Mavericks. I don't, people don't realize, for whatever reason, he loves the Mavericks. Give up 101 points a game. I think I forget how many Phoenix I, uh, uh, give up a game. The reason why I didn't add them to the statistic is because he, they was, the Rockets were playing Phoenix, and he was saying both teams were the worst. And these teams, these are these are four teams that statistically are worse than the Rockets that are in the playoff picture. Even though his original comment was they were the worst teams in the league, but he changed it up to playoff picture because of Kenny Smith. Now, like I say, like I said earlier, it's pretty much a money thing. He wants three million dollars from the Rockets. He feels the Rockets got screwed. Now, in other news. <laughs> Um, you know what? I'm not even gonna say it. I'm just gonna let you guys hear this. How about Kobe? Y'all, y'all cool? Absolutely. I, y'all had a beat. Y'all had a little issue. Yeah, back we, there. we had a little issue, but here, here's the thing about it. I'm a grown man, right? Yeah. Kobe's a grown man too. Yeah. That's how mans do it. If you go the other route, you kind of go down in my book a little bit. Now, are we cool? I don't hold grudges, but now. Because I mean, he went very public. I mean, the issue was... Yeah, but here's what I say to you. To anybody. Because people have beef with you. Yeah. If Kobe don't like me today, that's Kobe Bryant's fault. It ain't mine or his problem. Yeah. I don't have a beef with nobody. Because I come in peace, but I do prepare for war if I have to. And I absolutely think Kobe, one of the best athletes, competitors I've ever seen. Shaq is awesome. Derek Fisher, other than probably John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek, mm-hmm. they are the most profe- he's the most professional athlete that I was ever around. Mm-hmm. But Kobe and I, 
You ask him that question. Here's what I tell you. I don't have a beef with him. Have you spoken to him since you left the Lakers? Uh, what's up? Does, does, <laughs> that, don't, that, don't sound, that, that wasn't no big Rick Fox hug. Hey, hey, no. Look, you walking down this hall, I'm walking down this hall. I know what you said about me. Yeah. What up? That's it. Yeah. Meaning, what up now? However way you want to go with that. Right. But what up? So I, that, right. I, I acknowledge you, but no. The hugging and all that. Did you feel, do you feel tension when you see him? I don't feel tension. Mm. But you got to understand, Mark, I'm a hunter. So I'm already right there anyway. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you, ready, you ready at all times. No, no. I'm, look, I'm ready at all times. But do I feel tension? But yeah, but you know what? Really and truly how deep it is, you have the problem. I don't. Because right. I, I love Western. I'm old school Western. Back in the day when you had a beef, you didn't go get guns or knives. You just, hey, Mark, I got a problem. We just go in the back with no cameras, no nothing, and let's just knuckle up and get it over with. Did you ever make that offer to Kobe? No, but it's standing with anybody. <laughs> he understands. He no, understands that. No, it's a standing. Oh. Look, I don't want no trouble. No, I understand that. I mean, did he ever say that to you? I mean, because he was very upset. He said you said this inappropriate with his wife. He was mad. I always thought it was going to come to blow. Did, has Kobe ever said anything to you? Did he ever come to you in a way that made you think he wanted to fight? Yeah, not really, but hey, you know, here's what I'll say to you. I don't have a problem. And people say whatever they want to say, and that's great. I'm 6'9", 272, to be exact. I'm not hard to find. I don't want no trouble. But when it, if, it got, if something got to go down, I'm not playing fair. We got to get down now. We got to get down. I'm just telling you. I understood. Okay. So apparently, uh, Carl Malone wants to fight Kobe Bryant. This is back from uh, the uh, the the, uh, the year that the the Lakers had Carl Malone and Gary Payton on roster, uh, uh, trying uh, they was trying to uh, win a championship. They were hmm, a super team. NBA don't have that, but uh, they was uh, trying to trying to get together and uh, win a championship. Uh, a couple of old guys, uh, uh, Malone and uh, Payton, you know, submitting to Kobe and Shaq, and was gonna. You know, ride it out for a title. Malone was injured at the time, and what happened is, uh, I, I think let me let me remember what happened is, uh, Carl Malone was uh, walking, uh, wearing a big cowboy hat. Kobe, uh, Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's wife, made a comeback to him. Was like, "What you hunting, cowboy?" And uh, Carl Malone basically said, uh, "I'm hunting uh, Mexicans, Mexican women." And uh, no, little Mexican women, and he said it in a flirtatious way. Now, reason why this is just freaking hilarious to me because this could have died down easily. Because really, all carp, this could have died down on multiple occasions. When uh, basically, when uh, Vanessa Bryant heard the comments, she really didn't have to say it to Kobe. And once she said it to Kobe, Kobe didn't have to uh, put it in the media. This could have been this could have been a, a, a over situation because things like this has happened with other teams, other uh, other uh, franchises, players got in, get has uh, got into it over their wives or girlfriends or whatever. That's what happened in uh, San Antonio a few years ago with uh uh. With Barry, uh, with Brent Barry and uh, 
Tony Parker. My my issue with this is the escalation of this, and uh, it's funny because like Carl Malone's like still ready to fight Kobe Bryant if he steps to him about it. Apparently, this is not a squash situation, even though it's been um I think close to ten years since that team team was together, and this is still an issue apparently with Carl Malone and and uh Kobe Bryant. And it's the reasons that this is something simple simple that to me I believe that Kobe could have ended. He could have uh Kobe could have simply ended. Now it is it's beautiful to me to see these two go at it because I like I starting at the beginning of the show, I admitted I was a Rockets fan. And nothing makes me more happy than seeing Carl Malone and Kobe Bryant, two people I despise as Sports despise. I'm not saying I hate them personally. I don't care about them personally. But I have two guys that I have sports hate. Like Carl Malone, who was from that uh, 90s flop, late 90s flopping. Well, forget it, just 90s. 90s flopping Utah Jazz team, which, which, which basketball fans seem to forget was the team that brought flopping into the league into the league, everyone want to say Vladi Divac and players like that in the Europe, Europeans. But in all honesty, if you go back and watch the '90s Utah Jazz, actually, you can still you can watch the early 2000 Utah Jazz up until like 2006. That team was prominent for throwing their arms in the air to get calls, elbowing you in the face, and then uh, throw their arms in the air to get calls, and they got calls. If you go back and you realize during that time uh, in the 90s, the Jazz were famous for leading league. I mean, they were second in the league repeatedly behind the Knicks for the most fouls against. And also that team at a certain time uh, were not a good road team and was dominant at home. They was one of the best teams at home. And it's because... Even though uh, it's partially because the crowd in Utah would not let it go. Even even if it was obvious, the, the crowd would boo every call made against the Jazz. Those were those were passionate fans. It's the only uh, franchise in that whole region, let alone state, state, let alone city. Those fans were so passionate about their team that. They didn't care about you know rules or whatever. They didn't care. They they didn't care about oh this makes sense for this car. They booed everything and they cheered everything that went j- the jazz way. So there's a lot of sports hate between these two guys from from me. Um. Uh, but it, it stands the reason that this idea that two guys are about to fight over. One guy's wife being upset about one comment, and how long that that can fester, and it goes to the idea she had that options idea. She had the option to not get her husband in this situation. It's the same woman who basically, it's the same woman who basically got a divorce from her husband and 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 didn't want anything to do with him. And oh, even though recent, uh, even though they started to work it out, but the fact of the matter is, they broke up 
and got back together and Kobe and Karl Malone still have issues with each other. In so I guess hatred is stronger than love. <laughs> um now besides that, uh, a, a non-serious topic, the lottery this uh, was recently it was a uh, 480 million. Three people wanted one in the state of Texas. No, I was not one of those people. I, mean, I was not that one person in the state of Texas to win it. Uh, recently, this is uh, recently someone asked, "What would you do if you won uh, 400 million, uh, 480 million dollars? If you won a lottery, you won that type of money?" And I, uh, simple thoughts to myself: uh, I probably, me personally, I probably would uh uh, since I'm a big sports fan, I would probably go on, go on the road for a year. I would probably go to every sports venue in the country. Uh, from my from the three major sports I enjoy the best: uh, base major league baseball, uh, national uh, national football league, and uh, and national basketball association. I would I would also probably go to a lot of fights, uh, a lot of boxing. Big boxing fan, I probably probably would go to a bunch of boxing events. Also, I probably would travel the country, uh, going to comedy shows, uh, going to uh, theme parks. Love theme parks. Uh, love comedy shows. Um, so, that's what I would do if I won $480 million. I would just travel the country and just, just I would say waste about a million dollars on just doing random crap. Um, but it'd be worth it because I have, you know, with 480 million, I still have 479 million. So I can basically hit up a big, uh, I can just just knock off a bunch of uh, things on my uh, list and, and just have fun for, for one or well, two tenths of what the total amount will be. Uh, I mean, well, not two tenths. My math is off. I think that's like eight tenths or whatever. Or uh, eight is it? It's just not a. It's just minuscule in the amount of money with four hundred eighty million dollars. Even if you split that into three, it's still minuscule of the amount that out. Uh, if you were, was the one person to win that lottery, which is funny because have you ever noticed that when they have a uh, big Powerball numbers, um. They continue to go week after week with nobody winning, and all of a sudden, the week that one or uh, when it's one, there's never just one person winning. There's always two, three, four, five people to win it. And because once it get over two hundred uh, million dollars, that's when people start playing it, and like everybody wants to play it once it gets over two hundred million dollars, because you you know you you want to take that shot. And that's that's around the time people start getting those lottery pools, and you have uh, twenty people at work buying uh, 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 buying ten tickets each and getting like a getting like a two hundred tickets, f- which represent everybody in the company. Which was which is funny about it is is uh, say for instance, uh, out of the twenty people, you only win five dollars. So I guess you just uh. You just split that five dollars into twenty ways, or do that person who has the uh, who has the ticket secretly take that little five dollars and get it themselves? But but that's more of an ethical question than anything. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying this thing. Um, this is my fourth podcast. This is my first one on Podbean. Uh, I'm still, if you if you subscribe to me, you can subscribe to me on Podbean. Uh, if you have an account there, I will continue posting my my podcast on uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, maybe at some point I may start a, a Facebook page, a uh, fan page, so I can uh, have another way of, just in case you're not on my friends, people who are not on my friends list can be able to get get this podcast. And uh, I, I, I will consider things like that. But um, thanks for listening. And um, I guess, like I say, I go off with my wrestling theme music every week. I, I play some wrestling theme music for you guys. Uh, that's pretty much my intros and et, et, uh, exits of the shows. Uh, for those who don't know, I like I say, I'm a big wrestling fan. So uh, maybe I'm thinking next week uh, I'm gonna cut a little bit because Fast Lane, WWE Fast Lane, is next week. So maybe I'm gonna do something on that pay per view. I think that that'll be the plan for next week. If I I might have to do that when at work, like the first podcast. So be prepared for a lot of distractions. If that depends, if I'm trying to get it out immediately, or maybe I wait till the next day and just put it out later on that day. I don't know um, yet, but I'll come to the I, that'll come to me uh, real soon. But yes, I'm uh, it's official. I'm going to at least be doing a podcast every two weeks, and hopefully I'm doing a podcast every week, maybe even more, depending on if I get addicted to this, and if I have a, because it's going to be a thing when I just, when I got something on my mind, I might just chuck in an extra podcast, but uh, thanks for listening, um, yeah. thanks for listening to the show, um, so, catch you next time.
Somebody go get that